You have got, we have got a treat in for us. I will tell you, first service was uh, really moved by what you're going to see this morning and hear. Uh, first things first, what do you say we open in prayer? Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for this growing family. I thank you for, I, I feel a sense of thriving in our uh, congregation, Lord. Um, I know there are people always will be suffering, and I know some are suffering, but even the ones that are suffering seem to be so often suffering with grace and, and just with hope and expectation. So, Lord, we just pray that you'd be with us this morning. I pray that you'd be with Brad and Drew as they share. And, Lord, we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, first things first, we had, I told you last week we were going to have like four baptisms on Monday night. We end up having nine baptisms on Monday night. I know. It's awesome. And we did that at Rancho La Quinta Country Club. I want to thank the Tulls for hosting that. Uh, they are so gracious and so generous, and we appreciate that. You know, uh, in fact, if you, I don't know, that a lot of them were in the first. If you were baptized last Sunday, um, last Monday, would you just stand up real quick? Would you just stand up if you were baptized? Awesome. See in the back, Sugar and great. Lolita, and yeah, so thrilled, thrilled. And uh, we're excited for you. We want to come around you as a community and... The journey with Jesus, uh, the beginning part, is, is a lot of it's dying. You know, a big, a big part of the journey with Jesus is coming to life, but also having some old things replaced with new things. So it, sometimes that's very challenging. Well, now forget sometimes. It's always challenging. And all of us, to some degree, are dying every day, aren't we? We're dying. I would like for you to pray, if you would. We leave, about 12 or 13 of us are leaving for the Phoenix Open. Some of you know a little bit about that PGA Tour event uh, over in Phoenix. It's over 500,000 crazy people that attend that thing. During the week, we're doing an outreach, and I'll be interviewing some of the tour players uh, on Monday night. And uh, so I appreciate and covet your prayers. So we have got somebody really exciting uh, to introduce you to. I have been accused very often. Some of you say, well, we've been coming here for two years or whatever, and we've never heard Jeff talk about giving. And we're str it's weird because nobody passes a plate. Nobody talks about giving. And let me just say, I have overreacted on that, I think, sometimes in my life. My ministerial life is always like, I don't want to be the guy where, you know, I'm always the guy coming, talking about giving or whatever, and uh, people, you know, oh, what is his angle on that or whatever, and so as a result, the pendulum has swung way too much probably to the other side, and I don't get to talk to you about the beauty of generosity, the beauty of generosity, and it is fantastic, and Brad's going to do a great job. So uh, I think some of you saw in my missive, uh, 20 a Forbes top 20 guys you just have to listen to well you get to do it and you don't have to go all the way to somewhere strange you just get to come right here to your own church and so let's run the clip of Brad and then I'll bring Brad up <clears throat> the book I like giving the transforming power of a generous life you get a book called I like giving it's oh. it's uh, practical ideas by Brad forms I've got a good friend who spends his life inspiring generosity when we started talking about doing a giving show I thought we got to have Brad on because he's the he's the giving guy it was the most winsome thing I'd ever read and it wasn't about necessarily giving money it was about times and thoughts and influence and in ways that I'd never thought you know all I'm doing is sharing these thoughts because guess what these thoughts and stories when they impact our life they affect our heart i've rarely met anyone that's more infectious in terms of the creativity and the joy in giving to others 
I always say I've never met an angry, bitter, generous person, so <laughs> I want to be generous. Welcome, Brad Forms. Okay. Oh, good morning. It's great to be here. I live over in Irvine, and so my home church when I'm there is Mariners, and I just have a heart for pastors, and I really have a heart for people who step out and plant a church. And so I just, Jeff, it's an honor to be here, and thank you for letting me share some thoughts. Um, Would you say with me, I like giving? All right. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, yes, you do. Okay. Well, <laughs> we're going to have some fun this morning talking about God's word and using stories. And I, I want to share with you about the generous life. Uh, before I jump into the three things that I want to share with you that I've learned over all these years, though, um, I want to take you back to something that happened to me last fall. I was with Henry Cloud, and he was talking about thinking, and he said, uh, what do you think about when you think about what you think about? <laughs> I'm like, Henry, really, you know, slow down on that. But the more I started thinking about my thinking, I started thinking, what what do I think about when I think about generosity? And I started to go back to some of my early days of upbringing of you give so much to the church and sometimes it was you have to give and duty and obligation. Other times there was joy associated with it. Often it was generosity just meant money. And then there was this idea that sometimes I gave and I didn't like the result and so I would pull back and not give again and I realized maybe that wasn't healthy. But as I started to think more about generosity and what it meant, I thought as I come to you today to share a thought, would you be open to consider thinking about what you think about when it's the generosity word? You see, I had the privilege at 11 years old of a big Dutch grandpa who owned a commercial baking company and and he influenced me on the generous life. He called me one Friday. He said, I'm going to pick you up in the morning, Bradley, and we're going to go to the bakery and bake bread. He had a big commercial baking company, but next to his office, he had a small test kitchen where he'd make 16 loaves of bread. Well, we got there, and I'm thinking, this is going to be a good morning. Brad, bread, and some fresh jam. I'm sure this is how it's going to go. But as those loaves cooled down, they went into his trunk. And away we went to our first stop, and two loaves came out, and we went to a widow's home, and he squeezed those fresh loaves of bread in her face. Mmm, isn't that so good? You can smell that. It's so good for you. And poor Gramps didn't get the memo on white bread, maybe not being so good for you, but it was his generous heart that was good. And uh, then he continued to be kind and say positive, affirming things to her. He was modeling generosity of words. Well, the next stop, it was two more loaves of bread. And this time there was a check. He said they have a financial need. And so he modeled generosity of money. And that's important because when we give, it softens our heart. And we become more like Jesus when we do that. Well, I'm thinking now we're going to pull over, right? Pit stop and get some bread out of this deal. No, that wasn't the case. In fact, the next stop, it was a few more loaves and now being generous with his influence. We all have ways of being influential in our lives and spheres of influence, but he needed to help a person get to somebody and he had that connection. 
In fact, that's how I'm here today. I have a friend who said, you should meet my pastor. And so when we were out here in the fall, we had coffee and we met. And then our friendship and relationship developed. The power of influence is huge. And it's another way that grandpa modeled to be generous. Well, then the next stop was a few more loaves of bread. And this time it was the gift of attention. He was with his dad who wasn't even so nice to him, but he was fully present. Boy, that's one I'm really working on these days, this gift of attention. I don't know about you, but I carry this. I didn't leave it. I left it in back. But I carry this six-ounce piece of plastic, glass, and technology. Maybe some of you have one of those. And it's the ultimate in distraction. And it buzzes, and you go to a restaurant, and you see people on... They, they went out to dinner with their phone, and maybe not another person. Or they're there, but they're not. And I'm like, what a tragedy. When I'm with somebody and they're fully present, boy, does that feel right. Because we were created for relationship with God and each other, and I think they're wonderful tools, but boy, is that a good catch. Do I want to be fully present? Yes, I do. And so Grandpa would model that gift of being present. Then he would model generosity of time and then generosity of sharing his stuff. That's a real interesting one to wrestle out. We all have our different ideas of what is appropriate to share of our stuff. So if you're, if you're a note taker like I tend to be, why don't I just give you those seven just one more time? Because I think as you see them on paper, you'll be able to take them into your life tomorrow, even today and, and next week and next month. So the first way was generous with thoughts, generous with words, Generous with our money, generous with our influence, generous with our time, generous with our attention, and generous with the way we share our stuff. So that is a backdrop. That was some of that early influencing for me. And so I want to share with you the first thing that I've learned that I want to give to you. It's all about awareness. When I read in Galatians this passage, it says, uh, Galatians 6, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. That word opportunity, as I've studied it, the word privilege comes up over and over and over again. Now you think about generosity and how you think about it, what a perspective. It's a privilege. We get to give. We don't got to give. That is such a helpful way of Paul saying, no, no, no. We get to do this. And so for our family, one of those opportunities to have a privilege and to get our antenna working was to, um, I was reading the Grand Rapids Press. This is where I used to live. And there was a story of a Sudanese father and son. 
And uh, the article went on to say they were firebombed out of their village. They lost friends. They lost family. They had clothes on their back, and they had a few bikes. And as I read further, I realized that someone came along and stole their bikes. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This is crazy. So I brought it into our house. We had a 10, 7, and 2-year-old at the time, and I read the article. I said, what, what should we do? And my oldest son's like, we got to go get them bikes. And I'm like, perfect. You're like me, the activator, ready, fire, aim. We're going to go get them bikes. So we all jump in our van, and we go to the bike store, and we buy the bikes, and uh, this is the moment where I first will confess to you this morning that I don't always listen to my wife, and I married somebody opposite of me. Maybe some of you have done this. So my wife's the planner. So her idea of a surprise birthday party is 30 days of details leading up to the surprise party. So she likes everything organized. So as we rolled up to that first light, she looks over and says, where do they live? I said, I don't know. They didn't put the address in the newspaper. Of course they don't do that. So we end up calling the church that's helping these people. And four hours later, we're on this wild goose chase all over Grand Rapids, Michigan. And we get to these people and we find them. And because of the language barrier, all the dad can say is, I like bike, I like bike, because he's driving his bike down the road. And as we pulled away, from the back of the car, my oldest son said, Dad, that was way better than us going to the water park today. And it was in that moment I thought of what Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And I know this is one of the core reasons why I give my life a way to share this message because when families and kids can engage this truth and experience it early, it sticks. And they take it through their life. Research shows us that over and over. And then my wife says, gosh, God really had an assignment for us that day. I'm glad we had our antenna working. Must have told it to my buddy Scott because weeks went by and I got a text one day, I like cavities, which is crazy because I'm not a dentist, as you can tell. And I knew he wasn't, so I picked up the phone. I called him. I said, what, what's this I like cavities? He said, well, you remember I like bike, I like bike. I said, oh, yeah, I, I do. He said, uh, I was at the dentist's office. I overheard a single mom say $926. I can't do it. I, can I make payments? And he said, you know me, I'm introverted. I don't even know if I like people. But he said, this is my chance. You're talking about getting my antenna working. So I jump up and I said to the cashier, ma'am, would you you forgive me uh, for eavesdropping? Uh, I want to just take care of that. And he said, tears flowed down her face. And he said, my wheels didn't hit the ground the whole way home. And what's neat about Scott's generosity story is that he started out giving 100 and then 500 and his years went by 1,000 and tens of thousands and he said, you just opened up yet another way for me to live generously throughout the week, wherever we go. And so that power of being aware. I like to say, God gave us these principles and of course, grandpa showed them to me, but they're powerful and that we can do them daily, weekly, monthly in our lives. The second thing I want to share with you I've learned is action. If we just get inspired and, oh, we feel good about stories and hearing about other people doing things, it's not enough. We need to move into action. And sometimes it doesn't always go smooth. You know, some of my stories go 
sound pretty smooth to you, but some of them don't work out so well. And yet I know I'm better for trying to live the generous life. And we said to our kids, like, we love to regularly give to our church and we have some other causes, but we also want to create like an emergency giving fund that you guys would know about. And if you see something, you know, that comes across your antenna radar, you bring it to us. And of course you can't solve every need and all that, but we can talk about it. We can process and, sh- and, and work through. So my oldest son came to us and they, he said, uh, I just found out my friend, his dad's got two months to live and uh, what could we do? And so we're like, this is perfect. We're going to do like a prepaid gift card and make an anonymous stealth giving gift. And so we got in the car and we, we turned down the street and there's a row of mailboxes and I, and my wife's like, perfect, we'll put it in there and they won't know it. it's us. And I'm like, oh no, I saw on the Today Show, you know, postmen are stealing gift cards out of the mailboxes. So, again, I should have listened to her because I dropped it at the front door and our cover was blown. They saw it was us. But uh, sadly, sadly, a couple months later, that man passed away. And we got a note about a month after that. And the note said, Dear Brad and Laura, My husband, Tom, was pacing back and forth in our living room, asking God to provide money so that he could put new tires on my car so I'd be safe before he went to heaven. The creator of the universe works through us to be a part of answering prayer. It's a powerful, powerful thing. But I submit we have to have our antenna working and make that decision to want to be generous and want to live that way and that we would realize that when opportunities come our way, it's a chance for us to participate with him. I never met this guy. I think someday I'll see him in heaven and maybe he'll say, I like tires. I don't know. (laughs) But what a powerful thing for our kids to be a part of. And you see, what what I didn't tell you is that Several months prior to that, I got a news that I had this rare form of uh, blood cancer, a, a leukemia, and they told me that you would have two, 24 months to live if you didn't <clears throat> take this expensive drug, and it, and it might work, and a whole life flashed before my eyes. You start thinking about who's going to take care of this young family, who's going to walk my daughter down the aisle. And then I thought back to those pre-decisions. As a family, we want to live, we want to try living generously. And I thought, I bet I would have chickened out on that opportunity in the midst of the uncertainty and the storms of life. And yet, we get to bring the generous life with us to the doctor's office and with us to these places that we go. Excuse me, so... I've now go regularly up to UCLA. And you, you get up there, and uh, they take all this blood and money from you. <clears throat> and when, when I'm there, the lady, the lady, her name's Joy. I'm like, seriously? Some people have the wrong name for the job. And she was having a bad, bad day, bad, bad day. In fact, my boys, they're like, Dad, that's really true. Some people don't have the right name for the job, but some really do. They said, we did some research. We found out that the guy that invented the toilet, his last name was Crapper. 
And I said, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So uh, anyway, uh, that was for my sons, but I'm just messaging. So I said, Joy, you ever go get one of those big Starbucks drinks and, you know, with all the whipped cream and drizzle and just with a friend and try to brighten your day and talk about life? And she looked at me kind of peculiar and she said, well, I would, I would do that, you know. And so she's labeling up all the blood that they took out of me. I put one of those little Starbucks cards on her chair and so I got to the door. Joy, have, have fun with your friend. And it was... In that moment, I realized how giving changes everything. I actually put it on the back of my business card. I can't think of anything that flips the switch more on our attitudes and our outlook on life than being generous and outward focused, even the simple, simple thing. And yet sometimes it just goes so sideways. Like uh, three weeks later, I was back up there and there's one nurse, I met her in the hallway and she had just helped me and I... Have you ever had that where you start a conversation and you're fumbling out of the gate? It's just, it's not good. And so I was like, has anybody ever asked? And I, I'm getting, trying to get the gift card out. It's wedged in between my pocket and my keys. And has anybody ever asked you if you ever went out with a friend? And she's like, oh my goodness. I thought you were going to ask me on a date. I was getting creeped out. She grabs the gift card and she runs down the hallway and she's like, yeah, I'll go to coffee with my friend. But you know, I'm better when I give and I want to get a little better tomorrow, and I want to get a little better next week, even when they don't always maybe go as planned. Because generosity matters for our hearts. Generosity matters for our families. Generosity matters for our legacy. I have a doctor there who he's in my life for a reason. I trust God with that, but this guy is a piece of work, and that's generous with my words, okay? <clears throat> and one day he told me this, this disease, I don't see any sign of it anymore, so I'm going to, you know, take you off of your medicine. And I'm like, oh, it's a miracle, and he starts complimenting my shoes, and I'm like, this is interesting. We went from miracles to shoes, and he keeps talking about the buckle, and so it's kind of already weird. And then he talks about the laces or the stitching, rather. And now we're beyond weird. So I said, well, what are yours, like size 10? He said, oh, you're so smart. You think you're so smart. They're nine and a half. <laughs> and I said, well, you're, okay. And I thought, you're kind of dumb. You just gave the giving guy the answer because I'm going to go get you a pair of nine and a half. And I'm Dutch, but I like nice, okay? So... I go to Nordstrom Rack, so I went to that store, and I was feeling sorry for myself this day. So I went there, I walked down the aisle, and there they were, those shoes. So I bought them, <laughs> and I brought them back to my office, and I, and I wrote them this note. And I said, uh, Dear Doc, thanks for using your gifts that God gave you to help a guy like me stay around a little longer. And then I think Jesus is okay with the the, the snarky second part, I said, these will help you be one step more like me. <laughs> oh, man. He called me. He's like, I read your book. You're crazy. You think, he said, you think that a generous world is a better world for all of us. And I, I do. And I know I'm in the company of many generous people. I learned from you. Today, I'm just sharing a few things that I've learned. But I think that the doctor, well, if I'm crazy, so be it. But I'm also in his life, and I'm also there to be a witness in the midst of the uncertainty of not knowing what's happening. 
And I suspect many of us are in places that we don't want to be, and it's an opportunity for us to be a light. Awareness to action. The third thing, the final, is the idea of impact. We never know what the power of one decision, we never know the power of one question, where that will lead and how it will ripple out. I was reading about widows and orphans one time, and um, of course, this passage, Jesus is saying, let your light shine before men, that they'll see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And I had been reading also about widows and orphans, and I thought, boy, they're really close to the heart of God. Where in the world would I find a widow? So a light bulb went off, like, well, I'm getting my hair cut. You know what? That's, I'm going to ask that lady that cuts my hair. So I'm like tipped upside down in the chair, and they're, you know, shampooing it, and I sit up a little dazed, and I say, where do I get a widow? Came out a little funny, <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about? And I, so I told her what I had been reading, and she said, I've got the perfect lady. She's 88 years old. Her name's Evelyn. She's cutting back on her medicine. She doesn't have enough money. Her husband died 15 years ago. So we started anonymously just sending her money out of our little emergency giving fund. And then we thought we'd see her in heaven. But then she turned 92 and we're like, God, we gotta go meet this lady. So we went, she's like this tall and flowing silver hair. She's just a beautiful person. You know, when Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be always. Wow, is that true? It was like instantly there was something much more of a connection. We were, we were connected. And so we spent the number of years together. And at this time, you see, our work at I Like Giving, the ministry of I Like Giving, is the idea to inspire people to live generously. So we create content that goes all over the globe. We've, we've done 18 short films that last month my son told me we crossed 100 million views. It's just, it's amazing how God wants this message out. And we also work inside of businesses around the culture of generosity. And we teach on these seven ways to be, live generously at work because you can kind of figure that one out. Like if your employees are happier and there's a better environment and culture, it's good for everybody. And then we get to go to great churches. So that's part of our work. And so we got more known. And so a publisher called up and they said, you should write a book. And I'm like, no, I'm not your guy. I cheated in high school English. And they're like, no, no, we can help people like you. We, we see a book with different stories to help people see generosity more than money. Money's important, but what else could we do to live the generous life? So I went straight to Evelyn because now she's 98. I'm thinking, we got to get her story in the book. So I just want to read a couple sentences from her story. She had a perspective that I think was so, so good, and I want to share it with you. She says, tears ran down my cheeks and I felt deeply grateful getting these gifts. And at that moment, I knew what I needed to do. You see, money is like a river. It's meant to keep on moving. Money is like a river. It's meant to keep on moving. Can I give these two books to you, sir? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Drew, for passing that on. I heard they're fun, you know, to keep one and give one. So, you know. (laughs) You did it. I mean, it's working already. I like giving too. Funny story. Last summer, I was in Michigan. I was at this coffee shop, and I bumped into this lady. Well, that lady was my English teacher. Brad Formsmo, what are you doing with your life? So I'm like, well, I'm an author. It was the most awesome exchange. (laughs) 
You should have seen the look on her face like, that doesn't, that doesn't work. I'm like, well, that's why God's in the picture, because that's how that works. <clears throat> One question to a hairdresser, and a relationship starts. And she, Evelyn's story ends up in a book, but beyond that, we captured her story three and a half minutes long. It lives on our website at I Like Giving. Over 9 million people have seen a picture of a generous life with someone who didn't have a lot of worldly wealth. Yet, when I went to her funeral, it was packed. And guess what? When you die at 98, it's not all your peers. <clears throat> it's amazing how this just ripples out. National Geographic came to our organization several years ago and said, we want to license that to show two million homeschool kids a year through our network what a generous life looks like. And I thought, this is really a picture of the rippling effect of generosity. We just never know how far it's going to ripple out. That one decision, that one connection, that one way of being generous. I had a guy come up to me at a church one time and give us a check for our ministry, but he said, I, that's only one of the seven. Like, how else could I help you? And I said, well, you know, the only way we meet pastors or businesses is people that hear us and they, they, they see us inside of their organization or inside of their community. So we put together a little uh, bookmark, <clears throat> excuse me, that we'll give you on the way out. And my favorite part of this is it kind of shows you a few ideas of how if you want to help multiply the message. But it has my favorite verse on the top, which is, the world of the generous get larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And I know I'm with generous people here. And so just be encouraged that your world, I believe, will continue to grow. You know, when I think about the ripple effect and how the impact affects our families, I think of my son, Drew, who is with me. He's 17, kind of going on 27. So that makes for an interesting parenting challenge. And I asked him to come up um, with me and just share a little bit of his perspective about what it's been around with some of the modeling and conversation in our family. So would you welcome Drew? Hello, good morning. I know the sport coat gives me a couple years. I promise I'm only 17. <laughs> but, today, but today I wanted to share with you a little bit about what it's been like for me being around the culture of giving, and how it's impacted me. And I know there's two things in my life that are pretty close to me, golf and God. So just wanted to, a little, little bit about me before I get started. So uh, I wanted to take you back to a story. I was on um, the bus one day, headed to golf practice, and there was this uh, kid who had a disability. And my friends were kind of poking fun at him, and I kind of sat there and didn't say anything. And... I got off the bus that day and saw it disappear in the distance, and I felt like I missed an opportunity to step in and stick, stick up for him. And so fast forward about a month, I'm sitting in my first day of high school, and I'm sitting there, and all these thoughts are going through my head. Am I going to make friends? Are there any cute girls? Am I going to get good grades? And then I felt like God put an impression on my, my mind, like, why don't I look for someone that I didn't stick up for? So I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm ready. So I'm kind of looking around, and this kid right next to me is about this tall, thick glasses. And I could just tell 
this was my this was my opportunity. So I walk over to him and I said, "Hey, I'm Drew." And he said, "Hey, I'm Quinn." And then it got awkward. I'm like, "No, I hate awkward circumstances." And when I'm in one, I tell a joke. So I said, "Hey, Quinn, why did the golfer have two pairs of pants?" He's like, "I don't know." I said, "Cuz he had a hole in one." <laughs> and so weeks <laughs> weeks after weeks, I kept telling jokes and a relationships and a friendship started to happen. I'd see him in the hallways. Hey, Quinn, have a good day. I'd sit with him at lunch, just be his friend. And then one day I started to realize that th my one decision to step into his life was affecting my friends because Quinn was walking down the hallway one day and my, my other friend was walking the other direction and they, my friend put out his hand and said, hey, Quinn, have a good day. And I realized that my being generous with my time and my small little sphere of influence affected how his high school experience came about. And now he's part of our friend group and I always help with his homework and just be a friend. And one day he said to me, Drew, from day one you've been my friend. You make me feel known. You accept me for who I am. And I, I thought to myself, how many times have I been in that spot where I just wanted someone to be my friend and just look mm -hmm. out for me and be with me and be in relationship. And I think we all have someone in our life that we can reach out to. And it, it could be someone you don't like or someone you work with or someone in your neighborhood. I believe we all have someone that we can, we can be generous with our time and spend time with. Mm -hmm. And then I, I've been speaking with my dad for about a year and a half and I have parents and grandparents that would come up and say, hey, I need something. How do I teach my kids about this generous life? How do I bring this into, um, how do I bring this into our legacy? And so I came up with an acronym because I like things that are a little catchy. So me, M-E-E, -E, model, then encourage, lastly engage. Let's take it back. Model. I believe when we model generosity to our kids and grandkids and show them how to give and do it ourselves, that's, that, they'll follow. Because I followed in my parents' footsteps. My dad followed in his grandpa's footsteps. I believe when those seeds are planted, they're there forever, even if you don't see an immediate impact. And then the next would be in, encourage. Encourage your kids to give, but don't force it. It gets gross, trust me. Just show them, show them the way and sh show them why, why we give to start with. And all glory goes to God. I, that's what I truly believe. And then engage. Engage in the conversation of giving. I have a kids come up to me at school, and they're totally real, and they say, hey, I don't even know what giving means. And I'm going, wow, a lot of my generation has no idea what it means, and society makes it all about just writing the big check or just about um, the church, but it's so much more than that, something we can step into every day. And I truly believe that if you bring this into your kids' lives and teach them the generous life, this could be an amazing way to start talking about it. Because I believe that when we start giving at a young age, we'll make it, we don't even have to make the decision later because the decision's already made when we were young and the habit will live on. Will you tell them a little bit about what your project that you just finished up and how you're trying to yeah. help your generation? Sure. So... <clears throat> One night, I got a dream about 12 o'clock, and I don't usually get dreams, but I roll over in bed, and I felt like God was telling me that I was supposed to write a book um, really targeted towards families across the whole country, showing them what generosity is and really bringing them in on the giving and the receiving part, the intention behind why we give, 
And then I really wanted to show my stories and show how practical this is and how, it, how simple we can do this every day. And so about a, about a year I've been writing this, and it's a crazy process. You probably wonder, man, how did a 17-year-old do this? And I did finish my homework, but I got this done. And uh, I really wanted families to start bringing this because it has such an impact on my life, and I know it will have on your family as well. And we'll have it out and back, and we have people come up to us all the time. They're like, oh, my gosh, it's a perfect book for our whole family, our whole school, our whole life group. So I, the whole idea is we just want to inspire people to start living this way because, obviously, we're really passionate about this, and we just love – we really want you yeah. to start this in your family as well. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that idea of – awareness, getting that antenna working, which I found my prop after all morning. Here it is. So we get the antenna working. And these opportunities, I think, I think they'll come to us. And I don't hit all the time. I miss. And yet, I think God's okay with that. I think he appreciates it when we are looking. And then when we step into action, who knows what's going to happen. But we know this there's huge impact potential. I got a call from an 87-year-old guy one day. He said, I want you to come to a, a family gathering that I'm putting together. He said, actually, we used to meet as a family once a year to talk about our assets and resources and this kind of stuff. And we tragically lost our 21-year-old grandson three years ago. And we stopped meeting because everybody's just like so still sad about that terrible tragedy. He said, I want you to come and, and guide us in a conversation about the generous life. And uh, I want you to help unpack some of our story. Because I had shared with them prior to this the, um, the importance of having our story and values pass on from generation to generation. Many people are a little concerned or a little worried about what's gonna happen with all these resources that we leave to the next generation. And so we did that and it was a powerful time of an 87 year old his wife was now passed away and several 60-year-old kids and then, you know, a bunch of 30-year-old. So there's like 14 of us in a living room and you, you can just be in that with me where you start to see him tell stories and you hear, Grandpa, we never knew that about you. And I was like, there it is, that passing on that story. And so afterwards, <clears throat> he said to me, I think I learned more about my grandkids today and then with a twinkle in his eye, he's like, and I think they learned some things about me too. And so I would just encourage you to make that decision to be intentional. And it's not once and done. It's a process. And if there's any advice I can give you, and I didn't say this in the first service, it's don't have a big meeting in a boardroom and stand at the end of the table because you're going to lose daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws in that process. Stay in it with them and get the story out and hear what's going on in their world and use story to, to be a driver. And I think it will help harmony in families. We see it all the time. And there's, the devil is against this conversation. I'm convinced of it. He doesn't want stories and legacy to pass on. So with that... Um, a year after uh, my grandpa passed away, I found this note. And grandpa was generous with his words back in 1984. I was only 14 years old at the time. 
I didn't know he had written this until after he had passed. And it said, Dear Bradley, Winston Churchill said, We make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. I think this is well worth remembering. Love, Gramps. And I think it's well worth remembering for us as well. Thank you. Oh, thanks, man. You know, when you think about the qualities, a lot of times we get deep into the text. Right now we're in Ephesians chapter 4. We're talking about the gifts. We talked about, uh, the, you know, taking captivity captive, that portion where Jesus is ascending and then giving gifts to men. I mean, the fact that God in his very nature is in the process always of giving. What is it that you have that you haven't received? I mean, the Bible talks about that. I mean, God is a generous God. So if we're talking about becoming like Jesus. I mean, if we're talking about what is it to become, we talk a lot about that being conformed to the image of Jesus. First, you come into the kingdom, then he takes you into the wilderness so you can begin to relate to him. And then the process of discipleship is becoming like him so that you can be released back out into a culture and become light in the world. I mean, that's the process. One of the aspects and one of the most visible aspects and characteristics of Jesus is his generosity to take on human flesh and come down and hang out with a a bunch of rebels on this little planet called Earth. I mean, it's just so, so in as of its nature sacrificial, and we're becoming like him. So this practical application will set an atmosphere at church at the Red Door. You know, Jesus said in John 10, I came to give life and life more abundantly. Now, there's some of us that will walk away and go, they're trying to take my stuff. There's an instinct, there's a flesh instinct, and it's in me, it's in Laura. I mean, you know, we've got to, we're going to have to retire one day, we're going to have to, you know, pay for this, and we've got insurance payments coming up, and, you know, bills, and all, all that. There's an instinct of self-preservation that's there, and then it's a competing. It doesn't have to be a competing thing. I think what it has to be is a listening to the Spirit and a willingness to say, I want to become like Jesus, not out of obligation, but because He promised me more crazy life I mean abundant life and so I think what Brad and Drew both brought to the table here this morning is this picture of this is life it's not just life for others that you give to it's life for you it's life for us I know as I look back one of the very I have a lot of regrets in life but one of the few regrets I've ever had is ever giving one dollar that I've ever given away in the name of Jesus I can't look back and go, oh, I wish I wouldn't have given that much. Or, oh, I wish I wouldn't have given that. Because by now it could have been messed up in a bad investment or something else. But I've never regretted giving, especially having been influenced by the Holy Spirit to do so. So, Brad, thank you. Drew, thank you. Awesome. Uh, If you guys want to go ahead and go to the back. They're going to be at the back. I just want to tell you, uh, buy, buy two books. Buy one for yourself and then buy one to give away. And uh, I would encourage you to do that and stick around. Brad and Drew will hang around and and, uh, spend a little time if you want to have some conversation about their ministry or anything else. But I think this is good for us, right? He's not a hit man to talk about giving. 
I think this is good for us. This is the spirit of what I want to see. And we, uh, elders, trustees, this is the spirit of church at the red door. Paul, can you see this? Mary, I mean, this is, this is the heartbeat of what do we want to be like. Not just with our money, with our time, with our influence, with everything that we have. Lord, you have everything that I have. You gave for me. I'm, behold, I am no longer my own. I have been bought with a price. My bank account is your bank account. My time is your time. My influence is your, it's all yours. And it's all been given to me anyway, so why not? I hope this has been impactful for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I I thank you for the ministry of I Like Giving. I pray, Lord, that you continue to work this into Laura's and mine lives and our kids that we would all see. And, Father, for this extended family of Church at the Red Door, Lord, that we would be seen. And, Lord, this is a generous church. I have been so moved by the generosity in this church is overwhelming. And I know a lot of what many others don't know. I know what goes in and the, and the, the gifts that have been given, not only to sustain Church at the Red Door, but way beyond the walls of Church at the Red Door, in this valley and around the nation. Lord, I see generous men and women. Father, help us as a church to be generous people so we can reflect you in a dark world. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, do not be shy. Go out, spend a little time, love on one another, be generous with your time. Have a great week. And next week is the state of the church. Next week is the state of the church, both 8.30 and 10.30. If you consider Church the Red Door your home church or part of, and even if not, you just want to come in and sit on family business, we're going to talk about where we're going, what's looking like, and all that. Excited about next week. Have a great week.